Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm Drew Shelley, one of the pastors here. It is our hope and prayer that the message you hear today will help you connect deeply with the love of God we know in Jesus. Also, we'd love to connect with you so that we can share life and faith together. If you'd like more information about this church family, or if you want us to contact you, you can visit our website, fumcm.org, or you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at FUMC Borough. If you're looking for a place to belong, we have that place for you in one of our classes or small groups, as a part of one of our mission teams, or in either our modern or traditional worship services, which both meet at 1015 on Sunday mornings. First United Methodist Church is a warm and welcoming community of people committed to the idea of growing disciples of Jesus Christ who know Him, love Him, and serve Him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. We hope this week's message helps you in your own personal journey towards knowing, loving, and serving Jesus in your life. Our New Testament lesson is from Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 14 through 28. Let's hear the Word of God together. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, that means Daddy, when we cry, Daddy, Father, It is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage of decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the the Spirit helps us in our weakness For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose." This is the word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Uh, some of you have met my daddy. He's here sometimes. My daddy is a very, very excellent electrician. He, uh, he's been an electrician for 50-plus years now. He started really young. <laughs> he likes for me to have good tools in my toolbox at home so that when he comes, he has stuff to work with because we always need him to do something. He bought me a really nice fluke voltmeter. Anybody know what this is? A fluke? Yes, sir. This is a fine voltmeter now. This is top notch. It is every electrician's best friend. Have you ever seen one of these? See, it's got these little things. It can do all sorts of things. Daddy showed me how to test batteries with it. You, you set the dial, and then, and then you just take your battery and put these little prongs on either end and read the number. And you can tell if your battery is still good or not. You can tell how much battery is left. Uh, that may not seem very important, but it, it's really handy if you are as frugal as I am. Uh, and you realize that the batteries which will no longer spin your battery-powered toothbrush they will run your TV remote control for about a month, okay? <laughs> you can't figure that out without a fluke voltmeter. You got to have one, and then you can save a little cashola right there. You can also check your car battery and see if that thing is good. You can see if your alternator is doing what it's supposed to be doing. You don't even have to go to AutoZone. I know they don't charge you to do that, but you can do that in your own garage, your own driveway, Daddy told me lots of other things that you could do with this, but I was just worried about my toothbrush battery, so I didn't pay attention beyond that. One day he was visiting with us, and he noticed a very long extension cord running from the back of the house down the hallway into the den to the lamp that was beside my chair there in the den. He said, uh, why, why don't you plug the lamp into the plug that is right beside the chair? And I said, oh, let me explain something to you about why we don't do that. In this room, there are two sets of three three-way switches, okay? Everything in here is on a switch. Every plug is on its own switch somehow. The house is pretty old, so every plug was on its own switch. Every light was on a switch. The fan was on a switch. One of the switches, a mystery switch, worked a light outside in the front yard. We never could figure out how to turn it on or off. It would just do its own thing. And you had to have the attic light on for any of that to work. Okay, so I said, I spent a whole Saturday trying to sort this mess out. I decided it was a hopeless mystery, thus the extension cord. That's why I have, I needed a lamp. I just needed a lamp in here, that's all. He said, why don't you use your fluke voltmeter to figure this out and fix it? And I said, there are no batteries in this situation. <laughs> he said, I told you it would do more than just batteries. I told you what it would do. You can figure it out. I said, well, okay. He said, where is the thing? I said, well, it's in my car. He said, why is it in your car? I said, well, I discovered that this little end right here is just the right size to reset the clock in my car when it gets off. You just push that in. Also, you can get rocks out of your shoe. You get a rock in your shoe tread, you can get it out with that. It will get a staple out, and if you need to punch holes in something, it's just perfect for that. He just shook his head. Shame spilled across the room. 
Then he got to work with that meter. He was, boy, he was going all over the room like a bumblebee. He was putting these into plugs and flipping switches and turning dials and up high by the fan and down low with the plugs and at the lamps and the light switches. And I had not a clue what he was doing. But after 15 minutes, just 15 minutes, he had a sheet of notebook paper filled up with drawings and sketches. He looked over his glasses at me and said, okay, what we have here is a three-way switch in circuit with another three-way switch. The number two switch and both of them are wired backwards. You got a loose wire in the number three circuit and you really ought to dust your fan more than once a decade, okay? <laughs> I said, Daddy, how did you figure all that out with just this thing here? He said, I told you, the meter is your friend. The meter is your friend, but only if you know how it really works. <laughs> only if you know how it really works. As we read these words written to the Christians at Rome, it is important, very important, that we think through what Paul is trying to accomplish in this very long, long letter. He's unpacking what it means to to be a part of what God is doing in the world in Jesus. This letter is a very practical expression of the Christian life, the role of faith and hope in our lives, and especially, especially how to deal with the audacity of the gospel of Jesus to include everybody, everybody, not just the people we think it should include. The passage we've heard today pulls together the kind of understanding about salvation that is really at the heart of our identity as a community of faith formed by what God is doing in Jesus. Now you can and you should read this passage at a very personal level. You can still take great comfort and strength and meaning from it. But I would invite you to put your pastor hat on, okay? Put your church pastor hat on and read it again. Read it listening for the perspectives of the whole church, those who are healthy and whole, those who are sick and broken and hurting, those who are concerned with building walls to keep the right people in and the wrong people out, and those who look at the world and wonder what in the world is going on and how we should live in the midst of all of it. Read it like that. Now we pick up Paul's stream of thinking with that most helpful image of adoption. God has made us God's children, not with a spirit of fear, but with a spirit of adoption. Did you hear that? A spirit of adoption. I remember talking to a 10-year-old boy who had just found out that he was adopted. His parents never meant for that to happen, never meant for him to find out, but it happened. An older cousin told him one day, and he was devastated, just absolutely devastated. His little sister was not adopted, so it was such a mess. They called for a pastor to come and help, and they got me instead. (laughs) He had cried himself out by the time I got there. Mama was in the middle of trying to explain to a 10-year-old how adoption worked. She said, adoption is just as good now. It's just as good. You are just as much our child as your sister is. I watched the wheels turn 
you know how 10-year-old wheels turn. They just spin and spin and spin. There's this blank look, and then all of a sudden, out comes something really important. He said, no, no, mama, it's not the same. It is not the same. You picked me. She just showed up, and we had to keep her. (laughs) The spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we, we are the children of God, the beloved children of God. That's the family tie which starts this whole thing. Paul shifts gears to these present sufferings, and he had plenty to talk about. He frames suffering in the brokenness of creation. You see, we're getting deeper into salvation here. We're turning the, turning the dial on daddy's vote meter now <laughs> to get a little deeper into this thing. We know the whole of creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not just creation, but we too have been groaning, waiting for adoption, for God to put it all back right, for in hope, in hope we were saved. The verb tenses in the Greek are all very confusing. I wish Paul had had an eighth grade English teacher help him with this. Is it present action or past action or continuous action? Were we groaning until, until what? Are we, are we still groaning here? Will we stop groaning? Are we saved? Were we saved? Or is we being saved? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. The answer is yes to all of those questions because Paul is trying so hard to describe the already and not yet nature of God's great work of salvation. In Jesus, we are caught up in the thing which God has done completely, is doing right now, and will do all the way in time. It is a a huge mystery. That is why hope is so important. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Patience. In this in-between time in which we live, the struggle is real. Okay, can I get an amen? Amen. The struggle is real. God knows it. The Holy Spirit pleads with God on our behalf with sighs too deep for words. And God listens, even when we cannot speak. It's what happens in worship every time we gather. It's what happens in your place of prayer when you pour your tears out on God's altar. It is what happens every Sunday when you eat this bread and drink this cup. The Spirit swirls up inside of you. Grace, grace that speaks a language Only our hearts can understand. It's how we are sustained, sustained as children of God in a still broken world. I want to show you a picture, a picture of this in-between time of which we speak. And I'm turning the dial on the vote meter yet again, so just hang on. We often think about salvation as this deeply personal thing, me and Jesus, if you will. And it is, it is that, but it is so much more than that. God in Jesus is reconciling the whole world to God's self 
In salvation, God is making right all the brokenness which has afflicted God's creation since suffering and selfishness entered the world. Look at your picture in your up-and-coming piece of the bulletin. Get that out. One of the inside flaps has a strange-looking picture. You'll say, this does not belong in this bulletin. That's, that's what it is. Look at that. In that picture, uh, we have divided time into the old age and the new creation. The old age is just after the Garden of Eden. It is marked by sin, death, despair, destruction, suffering, pain, heartache, greed, jealousy. You also see love and faith and hope in there because during that old age, God was very much at work through the prophets calling God's people back to faithfulness. God never broke God's covenant, but God's people just couldn't keep from running off the road over and over and over again. They're not very much unlike us. We know how the story goes. A new thing begins. You see that red cross there moving through time, that big red cross. God comes to us in Jesus. In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the true love of God, the true intentions of God are revealed to the world. A new creation is birthed in Jesus, even as we still live in the old. It is marked, the new creation is marked by forgiveness and grace, by justice with mercy, peace, faith, hope, and a love, a love that believes the best about each other until it becomes true, not because it is already true. You can see, I think, where we are. It is this in-between time where we live We live in the direction of the new with a foot firmly planted in the lingering brokenness of the the old. That's why life is so complicated. Do you see the overlap there? Until Jesus returns and finishes the work begun at his birth, our task, our calling, is to live as people of the new in the in-between time. Faith, hope, and love are our tools The more we use them, the greater the new creation and the lesser the old. That's why it is so important that we know who we are and what it is we're supposed to be doing because of God's work of salvation in Jesus. But we still wonder, we still wonder, what does all this have to do with am I saved or not? What does it have to do with that? Well, at the heart of the Greek words for saved or salvation is a very special word, sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo. It is salvation, it means salvation, and it also means healing, wholeness, and peace. Not just any peace, but God's peace, the shalom of the Old Testament. Peace with God, peace with each other, and a peace that actively seeks the well-being of all people. To be saved is to be adopted into this new creation that God is bringing to the world. It is to be given a name, the children of God. It is to be given a home, the new creation. And it is to be given work to do, to love the world back to life one heart at a time. I fear that in our part of the world, we the church, have turned salvation into this thing that marks you 
as either in or out, as either with God or not with God. We're very concerned about walls to build, what walls to build, and how to build those walls. Walls, you see, make us feel safe. They do. Walls always. Imagine your house without walls. Would it feel very safe? No. We love to have some walls in appropriate places. The gospel, the gospel itself looks like it would make a very fine wall. Either you believe it or you don't. Either you are in or you're out. But that's wrong. That's not right. In this new creation, there are just two types of people those who love Jesus, and those who will soon love Jesus. Just as soon as you show them, you, the children of God, show them how much they are loved. That's not a wall. That is a journey that we make together. The big question that messes with my mind almost as much as Daddy's vote meter still messes with my mind. It's like a sorcerer's stick here. The big question that messes with my mind is, as somebody who has always thought of himself as being on the very safe inside of this thing, looking out at everybody who's not yet on the inside, what do you do when you find out the whole gospel, that God has broken down every wall, that God has broken down all the walls between us and us, and between God and us, that no one, no one is beyond the reach of God's love, that no one is not my neighbor. How then do I live when I find out how the gospel really works, not as a wall keeping people out, but rather like the tears of that 10-year-old washing away the image of love so that we can see the real thing. The audacity, the audacity of God to love everybody equally, no matter what, and to invite us to do the same. What do you do with that? What do you do with that today? tomorrow, the rest of your life, you decide. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen. Amen.